Canadian author Margaret Atwood once wrote, you're never going to kill storytelling because it's built into the human plan. We come with it. You know, throughout history, storytelling has been the most powerful communication tool amongst all people because a well-told story is something we can all find ourselves in. You know, the same story can capture the imagination. It can move the heart of a three-year-old child, of a teenager, a grandparent, a farmer, a warehouse worker, a, a lawyer, or a stay-at-home mom or dad. Stories transcend culture. They transcend gender and age and experience and, and background. A well-told story makes us think. It makes us feel. A good story makes us remember things that a PowerPoint presentation just never could. And there's never been a storyteller like Jesus. We have been considering the I am statements made by Jesus in the Gospel of John as we've headed into Easter here at Compass. And in John chapter 10, Jesus makes another I am statement by incorporating the power of a simple story that communicates the most profound truth. The story picks up in verse 11, and it includes four characters. Allow me to introduce them to you. There is a wolf, there is a sheep, there's a hired hand, and there's a good shepherd. Now the wolf, well, well, he represents an enemy, a ferocious enemy who deals in sin and death. And although in the story that Jesus is telling, the wolf is a fictitious character, I wish I could say that this enemy was not real, but he is. Jesus uses the character of the wolf to represent a very real danger. You know, Romans 5.12 tells us this. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. That's a sobering verse. It gives this wolf breath. It gives it life. There is a, world, a wolf that entered the world and its name is sin. And we see it bear its bloody and terrible fangs every day. Every time we see the aftermath, of a violent war, every time we see images of people starving in other parts of the world on our newsfeed, every time we see the damage imposed by addiction, every time we see the lust for sex or power or money bear its ugly fangs, every time we witness abuse in all its various forms, every act of injustice or greed, hate, the wolf, ferocious, unrelenting, and merciless. But this enemy just doesn't lurk on the outside. The wolf actually lurks on the inside of us all. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, the wolf doesn't just seek to attack us from the outside in, but also from the inside out. And we feel the wolf inside us every time we tell a lie and justify it. Every time we're tempted to click on that image on our computer, every time we gossip, every time we harbor hate, blow up in anger, we feel the savage growl of the wolf inside of us. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 5, 17, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. 
Paul says there's something sinister, there's something internal, something off inside of me. You know, the Bible tells us that we were all born with a sin nature, and if we were honest with ourselves, we know that to be true. We feel him stalking and hunting and licking his lips, readying himself to sink his teeth into us with the poison of sin, the wolf. Which leads us to the next character. See, we are the sheep in the story. Now, sheep by nature are not very bright, but that's not the point Jesus was making here. He's making the point that they aren't very strong either. In fact, sheep are susceptible to all kinds of danger. They are constantly at risk. Sheep are actually pretty defenseless creatures in the broad landscape of nature. And you know, I think that's a pretty apt description of us sometimes. We might have the illusion that we're strong, but it doesn't take much for us to realize that we're pretty fragile, actually. One phone call, one diagnosis, one microscopic virus can shake the very ground that we walk on. It can crumble the foundations of all that we thought was so secure. And you want to know who, who a sheep definitely can't defend itself against? How about a wolf? You know, in Montana in 2009, it was reported that just three lone wolves destroyed an entire flock of 112 sheep. It's not a fair fight. Pitted against the wolf called sin, we are like sheep led to slaughter. We are defenseless against the wolf of sin and death. Romans 5, 6 tells us that we are actually powerless against sin. We are sheep. But there's a third character in the story, and he's the, the hired hand. Well, Jesus was referring to the religious leaders of his day. They were placed in a position of authority to protect the sheep, God's people. But through their lack of authentic care for their sheep and their inability, the inability of their empty religion, they, they ran away when the wolf came prowling. They just weren't equipped to protect the sheep and they cared more about saving their own skin than they did about the sheep. See, when the going gets tough, the hired hand gets going. Don't you find when the temptation of sin comes around and the fear of death, don't you feel you can feel pretty alone sometimes? That can be a lonely place. The things we placed our confidence in to protect us, the hired hand, if you will, our good works, our positive outlook, our self-made spirituality, they can suddenly abandon us like a hired hand. There's a terrible wolf. There are susceptible sheep. And there is an unreliable hired hand. You know, I don't particularly like the direction this story is going. I'd rather not turn one more page, but we can. We can this Good Friday. Because the point of the story that Jesus is telling in John 10, it's not to emphasize the evil of the wolf. It's not about the vulnerability of the sheep, and it's not even about the inability of the hired hand. This story is all about character number four. This story is about the breathtaking love of the Good Shepherd. 
You know, I love that in verse 14 of chapter 10, Jesus suddenly breaks out of the allegory of storytelling and he declares a truth. He says, I am the good shepherd. In this story, this is about me. I'm the good shepherd. You know, as Jesus was telling this story to those that surrounded him that day, there would have been some connections they, they would have naturally understood that Jesus makes in the story. This was their world that Jesus was describing. They knew about wolves. They had a deep understanding of, of sheep, and they knew what the role of a hired hand was. They knew a thing or two about shepherding. In verse 13, Jesus alludes to the fact that a good shepherd cares for his sheep. For sure, the people would have said, they would have understood the importance of this example. That's what makes a shepherd good. They actually care about the welfare of their sheep. Jesus cares for us. That is great. What good news. Then in verse 14, a good shepherd knows his sheep. Yes, absolutely. That was a good shepherd's job. A shepherd knew each one of his sheep intimately so he could identify between them. He could recognize when one wandered off. Jesus is saying, I know you. The people would have said, Jesus knows us. He cares about each one of us individually. That is great. What a nice piece of storytelling that the people would have understood completely up till this point. Like they'd be tracking with Jesus. Well, they are about to get derailed. Because Jesus suddenly adds something to the story that they would not have understood. Something they couldn't have fathomed or connected with. This is where the story would become absurd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, that just doesn't happen. Like a shepherd might demonstrate some bravery under fire he might try and fight off a ferocious wolf with his staff. An exceptional shepherd, well, he might even risk his life for the sheep. They might die courageously defending the sheep like against the wolf. I, I fought hard, but in the end, it just wasn't enough. But that's not what Jesus says. He speaks of a shepherd that voluntarily lays down his life for his sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. See, that's different altogether. With one word, Jesus redefines the meaning of shepherd. Lay. Jesus speaks of a shepherd who chooses to trade his own life for a sheep. What kind of shepherd is this? His listeners must have marveled. Come on, Jesus. Like they're sheep. Sure, you care about them. Sure, you do your best to protect them. But at the end of the day, you're a person and they are just sheep. They're a dime a dozen. Dirty, common, stupid sheep. Hardly worth dying for. Certainly not intentionally trading your life for. Jesus, let the wolf have his day. Your story's too much, Jesus. Ain't no shepherd like that. Doesn't matter how good he is. 
Well, on this Good Friday, we remember once again that there is a shepherd like this. And that this story is a true story. I'm the good shepherd. See, the Son of God left the glory of heaven to come and and live in, in the filth of this sheep pen we call our world full of sin and and degradation and brokenness. And Jesus didn't judge the sheep because of the weakness of their sin. Instead, he lived with us. He cared for us. He healed us. He taught us all about his Father's kingdom. He loved us. And then he did what no shepherd would ever consider doing. And let's come to terms with the absurdity of this again. The perfect king of heaven, he took lashings. He took beatings until he was rendered unrecognizable. He allowed sheep to to push a crown made of thorns down on his head as blood streamed down the face of God. He stayed silent as the sheep spat upon him as they hurled insults and false accusations at him. Some sheep hammered spikes into each of his hands, the same hands that had gently healed them and cared for them. The same hands that he had laid on the heads of their children to bless them. And then they nailed a spike into his feet, the same feet that walked in places that no other feet would go. Places of sickness and defilement, broken places, lonely places. They fastened him to a wooden cross, the most humiliating and painful form of Roman execution. And as he hung, Another sheep pierced his side with a spear. And as Jesus looked down at all this violence and hatred and and ignorance, here's what he said about the sheep. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. You see, the wolf was thirsty for blood that day. He came looking for the blood of sheep and he had every right. The wages of our sin is death. My death, your death. That's what sinful sheep, it's just what they get. See, it's at the cross where we admit to God and where we admit to ourselves that there's absolutely nothing we can do to save ourselves from the wolf of sin. We are defenseless. But it's at this cross that a good shepherd stepped in between the wolf and us. And he didn't just put up a courageous battle. Not just a brave fight. He made a choice to trade places with the sheep. He laid down his life willingly to satisfy the demands of the wolf. And sheep were set free. 
What kind of shepherd is this? Jesus paid it all for my sin, for your sin, for the world's sin, paid in full. The bill that was outstanding because of our sin, the debt we could not pay in one act of love, the good shepherd settled it forever. Sin forgiven, shame erased, spiritual sickness healed, sheep welcomed into the pastures of heaven's glory forever. It's a good Friday, yeah? But only because there's a good shepherd. If you know him as the shepherd of your soul, stay close. But if you don't know Jesus as your good shepherd, the one who laid down his life for you, this good Friday could be the best Friday of your life. By responding in faith to him now as I pray. Jesus can be your good shepherd too. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, what, what can we say? What can we offer other than thank you? What can we do other than offer our lives to you? And what can our response be in light of this story other than worship? Father, on this Good Friday, we once again give you thanks and praise for sending us our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And God, for those watching right now who have not made Jesus the Lord of their lives, we come now in this moment and we pray in faith. Jesus, I invite you to be my good shepherd. I believe that you died on the cross in my place to pay for the price that my sin demanded before a righteous God. And I now, I now choose to turn from that sin and embrace life by inviting Jesus to be my Lord, to be my shepherd. Jesus, be the king of my heart. Lord Jesus, from this day forward, lead me. Care for me as I follow you. Thanks, Jesus. You truly are good, and it's in your magnificent, unmatchless, and beautiful name we pray. Amen.